The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is September 19, 2017. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. As always, my co-host is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. And as always, it's great to be with you. Well, I'm glad uh, we're all back together again. You know, these uh, these hurricanes hit us hard down in Florida, and uh, you might get a taste of it uh, with one coming up towards you. Uh, look, it's uh, right beside us right now. Oh, boy. You don't need it. <laughs> 180 mile an hour winds, I'll tell you, I never saw that before. <laughs> when you have oak trees passing you up. <laughs> experience. Yes. I just want to remind everyone that you can always hear our shows right from your phone by going to voiceamerica.com and downloading the Voice America Variety app. We are live every Tuesday at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Voice America Variety Channel, and we're also syndicated on iTunes. I'd like to remind everyone that last week we had Keith King, president of the Veterans Support Foundation. They are a nonprofit organization founded to improve the quality of life for deserving veterans and their families. To learn more, you can listen to last week's archive show right on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Now, as always, Bill, you always come up with some pretty good news articles. Now, you mentioned in the news today that we're going to be actually getting an increase. Well, we're not going to be. There's going to be an increased funding for the veteran treatment courts. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, absolutely, Gary. The uh, House of Representatives has uh, brought forth a measure to increase funding for the veteran treatment courts by $3 million. And that's right. added to the uh, $7 million that they have for operation now, uh, which will bring the, uh, the total operational amount to uh, about $10 million. This uh, amendment was brought forth by uh, Representative Julia Brownlee of uh, California. Uh, and the courts uh, really need this money. Most of the money goes towards training for jurisdictions looking for open treatment courts. And, Gary, you know, the, uh, the treatment courts uh, has, has been around for some time. They started up in Buffalo. Uh, the Buffalo Project it was called Buffalo, New York, and have done exceptionally well. But there's still some degree of, vet, of uh, resistance in some of our jurisdictions in the courts to actually get into this program. It's a tremendous program to help and assist and assist our veterans who may have find themselves into a little trouble. It gives an oper- them an opportunity to be uh, uh, to get help uh, through the uh, medical assistance, as opposed to being a statistics in the, uh, in the in the courts. Right. So and you know- we're hoping that this will move forward, and that amount of money is there for the next year, and uh, someone will see fit, fit to even increase that to a greater amount. Yeah, and I remember last last year we had uh, someone on one of our shows, and they were telling us the amount of uh, veterans that are incarcerated, that's over a million, and 20% are females. So uh, that was sort of dumbfounded, and it just just blew me away when I found that out. So hopefully that will help out a lot. 
Now, again, uh, you have some new, new data released by the Department of Veterans Affairs about suicides by state. Tell us about that, Bill. Well, absolutely. Uh, and, Gary, you know, this is also in connection with the theme for this month, September, is Veterans Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And, you know, those numbers are real high. Uh, as far as the suicides are concerned, and, and even with our, our women veterans. But, Gary, uh, uh, this report shows that uh, on a state-by-state ba- basis, age, gender, and the most common methods of suicides, the numbers remain high. The, uh, the information that the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs have been able to acquire is 55 million records on suicides from 1979 to 2014, uh, which uh, provides this information. Uh, some of the things that we know that are still are concerns uh, with these high rates of suicides, the states, for the most part, are the smaller states. Uh, uh, Montana, I think you remember, we had uh, a guest there uh, uh, some time ago talking about the, uh, the, the very small veteran population throughout the state, but per capita, it's the largest suicide rate in the nation. So wow. that kind of, of situation continues to exist. Uh, the report shows that 65% of all veterans who died by suicide were age 50 or older, and Gary, that's uh, us from the Vietnam era, and uh, those of us that had boots on the ground, uh, that is still high. And speaking of our women veterans, and you know, we've talked about this on a number of occasions, uh, the suicide rate in the women veterans community is six times higher than it is for their counterparts in the general population of this country. So we've got a long way to go uh, to get this under control. And, uh, you know, we, we, we hope that with this information, there will be more awareness, more attention uh, being addressed uh, with suicides in our country. That's right. They need to change our uh, Suicide Prevention Month to every month. Now, Bill, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest, our special guest today. Well, Gary, we are blessed with our guest today, Major Jazz Booth, and that's J.S. Major Booth is the founder and president for Final Salute Incorporated. Jazz is a Chicago native, disabled Army veteran, cancer survivor, and author who gave over 16 years of service to this great nation. Uh, Jazz was deployed during the Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom campaigns, and her military career has been dedicated to working with and advocating for soldiers and their families. In 2005, she was a single parent in the Army Reserves living in New Orleans. That spring, she learned she would soon be deployed to Iraq. But during her mobilization, Jazz's life was torn apart by two significant events. In August, she lost everything for personal effects she owned due to Hurricane Katrina. The very next month in September, she received a devastating diagnosis of cancer and was now unable to deploy. In 2006, Jazz relocated to Missouri with her aunt, where she had subsequently accepted a job offer from the Army National Guard. Later in the year, she received an opportunity to return to full-time duty in Washington, D.C. Jazz never forgot what she and her son had been through and was determined to ensure her fellow sister veterans had a resource in their time of need. Jazz Booth, welcome to the American Heroes Network. Welcome, Jazz. Hello, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. All right. 
Now, when what was the the point in your life where you thought finding something that would help homelessness with a vet with a female veterans? How did that all come about? Well, it, it stemmed through my uh, personal experience with homelessness. Um, when I was a soldier, and um, as you just heard, uh, you know, it was back-to-back events, Hurricane Katrina, and then cancer, which left me jobless and and homeless simultaneously. So during my um, cancer treatment, Brook Army Medical Center was actually my home um, for six months, and and that's when we used to have the medical hold uh, medical system as opposed to the warrior transition units that we have now. Um, and I did get my cancer and remission from treatment, but that was the easy part of my journey. The, the next part was basically given a DD-214 and uh, being discharged into the street. Um, I was told, well, now you're a veteran, you need to go to the VA to get supportive services because um, that's where veterans go. And at that point, I had a, I had a glimmer of hope because I had thought that the VA was just for, you know, Vietnam vet era veterans because during that time before the war really kicked off, that's all you really heard about was the older veterans going to the VA. And um, I went to the VA for services and and I told her, hey, the military sent me here because they said you would have supportive services for veterans. And um, I was in need of housing and I was turned away and told, yeah, we have services for veterans, but we don't have any for women veterans and they and directed me to go get on welfare and food stamps because that's where women in my situation go for support. That's unbelievable. I that was that was probably devastating when to find that out. All yeah, the, all it the, was a I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it, it was a huge slap in the face because, you know, in the units that were getting ready to go to Iraq were women. You know, and so I, while I was in a hospital, there were women that were be, were being treated, you know, for wounds, illnesses, and injuries, just like our male counterparts. But for some reason, we were not being recognized as war fighters and, and casualties of war as well, and we were just basically being, you know, ignored and discarded. And, and some of that still happens today. Yes, definitely. Bill? Well, Jess, you know, one of the things that gets my my attention, uh, especially in uh, with women veterans, is uh, we, we just talked about the suicide rates. And being able to reach them, uh, is, uh, it's, it's been a, a significant challenge. You know, oftentimes, uh, women who serve, uh, when they... Uh, take the uniform off, they just sort of put it aside. Uh, when approached at times to talk to them about, uh, you know, uh, uh, their, their situations, uh, many of them uh, don't realize that they are veterans. I've, I've had uh, women say, you know, I serve, I wore the uniform, I wasn't shot at, so I don't think I'm a veteran. And um, I'm just, I'd just like to hear from you, what are the kinds of things that we can do more to get this word out to our women veterans that, uh, uh, that we need to be able to reach them, to, to offer them the same kinds of services and opportunities that our male counterparts have? And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a real challenge. Have you come in contact with that, uh, with uh, trying to reach out to them? You know, honestly, I haven't. And, you know, we as veterans, we tend to flock to our own um, that I would, you know, like to say for lack of better words. But the the women that I reach out to, they know my story, they know my struggle, and they know my journey. And so they feel comfortable coming to me as another woman veteran who has experienced some of the things that they have and, and reaching out to them. They no longer feel alone. But I would say that, women are reluctant to talk about the military service because we are not as, you know, quote unquote, celebrated or recognized. And even when you do speak up for yourself, you know, there's this misconception that if you didn't serve in combat or if you didn't have a combat MOS, then 
you know, how could you have PTSD? You know, how could you have all these other things, you know, that our, our male counterparts experience? And so for us, we feel like, you know, we don't talk about it because nobody really cares. But I tell people all the time, you know, PTSD doesn't gender discriminate, just like IEDs don't gender discriminate. But again, you know, a, a lot of messaging that we see out there reference veterans are male, are male targeted. Like the VA for the longest time, you know, women veterans would go there and they wouldn't see themselves on a poster. They wouldn't see themselves on a flyer. So for us, it's like we're not even, you know, being identified from a visual concept when we go to a go to a, a VA that's supposed to be, you know, gender gender neutral. So for us it's like, you know what, it's it's not really for us and so we tend to shy away from things that we feel like we really don't belong and, and the VA be included in one of those, you know, capacities. But I always instead of asking them, you know, about war or anything like that, I just say, Have you served in the military? you know, just talking about their service as opposed to capacity, you know, and I think that helps them open up a little bit more. And it's like their service did matter as, as opposed to, hey, were you in Iraq or were you in Afghanistan? And so I think it's trying to break things down to a, to a loyal level of service as opposed to, you know, having people identify with right combat patches. I mean, you know how that is being, being a soldier, you know, you talk to another person in uniform and the first thing they do is look over at your shoulder to see, you know, if you served in a combat zone, you know, not all of us have had the opportunity to serve in a combat zone. Some of us were called to, and some of us were not. I deployed to Kosovo and, you know, my family still missed me. They still knew I was gone, whether I was, you know, being, you know, taking, you know, mortar rounds or, or every day. So I think we need to look at, you know, just, if you served, you know, in, in what capacity as opposed to equating your service, you know, to a, to a patch. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on The Voice of America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Major Jess Booth, founder and president for Final Salute, Inc. Now, Jess, as far as your uh, corporate office goes, where are you located uh, on the East Coast? 
Yeah, so we're located, we're, we're our home base in the D.C. metro area, Alexandria, Virginia, which is where our transitional housing facility is. But we do have other programs that allow us to assist women veterans in a national capacity. Now, do you work with other organizations as far as somebody, uh, you hear from somebody that's in California and uh, you're in Virginia, and uh, do you have another uh, office out there, or how does it work? So we don't have um, other offices, but we, we have an online system by which women um, in, other, in other states can apply online for just, say, financial assistance. So our program that we have called SAFE allow us to provide financial assistance for to prevent evictions um, or to, you know, pay, um, you know, pass to rent or pass to utilities and things like that to prevent them from being homeless. Because people always ask me, well, what's the solution to, you know, homeless veterans? Is it more housing? And I'm like, no, it's prevention. It's less homeless veterans. So if we can help keep them in their homes, you know, that's what we ultimately, you know, want to do. So, and and we also have... um, you know, an event called the Miss Fed in America competition of where we have women that compete all over the country um, in this competition that are also able to raise awareness on their local levels, you know, to our programs and the, and, and the resources that we can provide, you know, their communities. Wow. And again, you know, that employment, transition employment uh, is, is another factor that's very, very important. Like you, like you were mentioning just a couple minutes ago, how do you keep them in those homes? They have to be able to afford them, correct? It is. And I tell people, like, you know, I feel like the employment initiative kind of pushed the cart before the horse. And I said that because, yes, veterans need jobs, but if they can't get the mental health support and treatment that they need, you know, prior to being employed, you know, they're most likely not going to be able to keep those jobs. And, and some are not ready, you know, to go right into the workforce after they leave their military career, especially if they have, you know, again, illness, injuries, or wounds that haven't been properly uh, addressed. So hiring initiatives are great, but you have to first meet their basic, you know, essential needs being, you know, food, clothing, and housing, and mental, you know, like you talked about it being, you know, mental health, you know, awareness month, you know, it's not just a month for us, it's a, it's a, a yearly, it's a daily thing, and so exactly. once you, if you don't have those basic needs met, you know, and the employability is not going to be obtainable or sustainable. That's right. So if one needs your services, walk me through it. I would, I would call or email or Either or. Uh, the best way uh, is to go online via www.finalsaluteinc.org and either apply for housing or apply for safe. So we have the home or safe program, which you can apply for online, and it requires that you have uh, completed your initial military service application honorably um, unless you were medically discharged before you were able to complete your initial service obligation. And you also have to upload your, your DD-214 for proof of honorable service. All right. Bill? Jess, uh, give our listening audience uh, an idea uh, of the kind of situations that uh, you and your staff face with when women veterans come in to explain that uh, they need a place to stay, the kinds of uh, experiences that they have, and especially a, a mother with children. And, and how do you go about trying to address that? So I say a lot of the, the big issue is, you know, a lot of the government-funded programs, you know, don't take in women with children or they only take in, you know, women. They, they have a limit on the children or they have a limit on the, uh, on the age of the children. And so it forces women to sometimes decide if they can keep their children or some are forced to live in their cars, or some stay in domestic violence situations and continue to get beat because, well, at least, you know, I'm with my children. And so I don't think some programs realize the, you know, positions that they are putting these women in, you know, because of the restrictions on their programs. You know, I tell them, if you're going to be taking in women, you need to be able to, you know, take in children because over 70% of homeless women veterans are you know, single mothers, you know, I, I find it completely, you know, a shame that you have to be separated from your children to deployment and then come back and have to be separated on American soil once you're seeking supportive services. You know, so with our program, 
the women can bring their children in. They can stay for a period of up to two years. But also while they're there, we ensure that they're getting, you know, the mental health and other, you know, medical-based treatment and, and resources that they need, you know, as well as if they want to, you know, learn how to use their GI Bill or, you know, they need to get a job, you know, complete a resume um, or get a better job, you know. So we ensure that they have that, you know, 360-degree, you know, level of support where they're there. But we also let them know that your success in this in this program, you know, is, is based upon your level of commitment, you know, just like it was when you were, you know, the military uniform. So they're, we're not there throwing them a pity party or coddling them, you know, these are, you know, women warriors. So they know what they need to do. They have a discipline in order to reach their goals. But sometimes it's just the lack of resources and support that prevent them from doing so. You know, I'm 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 at your website right now, and I think with the, 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 the last portion that you were talking about relates to uh, the programs that I saw that uh, you actually make available, such as the home program, the safe, and stand up. Tell our listening audience uh, a little bit about those. Yes. So our home program is our transitional housing program. We have currently a nine thousand square feet. A three-bedroom facility in Alexandria. It's not three-bedroom, three-story facility. It's an eight-bedroom, eight-bath. Um, we can accommodate 10 women veterans and children at a time. And again, they can stay there for a period of up to two years. While they're there, they get the wraparound supportive services that they need. Um, in addition to financial education and counseling, which is mandatory during during their stay there. Because I tell people that's something that you really don't hear um, that's uh, you know, promoted in the military is what to do when the first and 15 runs out. And so we ensure that they learn how to budget, you know, live on the fixed income and, and save, you know, for a rainy day. Um, our safe program is our prevention program through emergency financial assistance. Again, where I talked about helping prevent eviction, you know, bridging rent between, between jobs, or sometimes women are, are fleeing domestic violence situations and need help with security deposits. So we're able to help, you know, assist with, with that as well. Our stand-up program is actually one of my favorite um, programs. Um, and so when leaving the military, you know, we have to go to that program where they talk about resume writing and jobs and interview skills and such. But the one thing they don't talk about is presentation. For some of us, and what I mean by that is physical presentation. And for a lot of women who have, you know, pulled their hair back, haven't worn makeup in a very long time and had to defeminize themselves, you know, in that uniform, it's a bit of a traumatic experience to now be told to you have to wear dresses and skirts and, you know, how to fix your hair and, and things every day. And so we put a program together called Stand Up where annually on Mother's Day weekend, we give them free business clothing, their image consultants, free shoes. We do professional makeovers and also give them uh, free headshots for their LinkedIn profiles. Because, again, we want them to be prepared for employment, but we realize that presentation is a huge piece that's not really talked about, you know, when you're leaving the military. That's, Can't beat that. That's ahead, outstanding. Bill. You yeah. know, uh, and maybe we can cover this when we get into our next segment here. But again, back to the to the website, uh, you you've got a section that it's called the infographic. Uh, that is simply amazing. I mean, this gets back uh, to some of the things that we talked about uh, in the first segment uh, with women versus uh, our male con- counterparts who have served and uh, how they're affected by the numbers. This is simply amazing. and It's rather unique, but it really tells the story in a very simplistic way. Well, thank you. One of the biggest things I like to point out in the infographic is, you know, um, I know the VA, you know, they, every organization, you know, especially dealing with veterans, um, you know, still have a lot of work to do. You know, they, they, they do great work. There's still a lot of work to be done. And when you still have 22 veterans committing suicide daily, that, that's a, you know, indication of how much work, you know, that still needs to be done. But I, I look at causality and how the VA reports their numbers and, and how sometimes, you know, how their numbers are reported may make a situation like a, that it's not a big deal. But you have to look at causality because things happen for a reason. And so, for instance, on the infographic, we pointed out that they reported 
495,000 veterans were unemployed, I believe, in 2016. Uh, this is through the um, Department of, of Employment, um, uh, uh, through their numbers. And so, but HUD, on the other side, who reports homeless veterans, reported that there are 40,000 um, homeless veterans um, during the same year. And I put those numbers together to show that, okay, so you, that, that leaves us about 455,000 veterans that are unemployed, but are still somehow able to support themselves financially. So numbers like that, you know, don't add up. You know, also in the same breath, they report that of that 40,000, 3,000 or so um, homeless veterans are women. And that number really strikes me as low, um, one, because I know that, Women veterans have a high tendency to couch surf for the reasons I told you earlier, being the lack of supportive housing programs for women veterans for children. And so the federal definition of homelessness doesn't count women who couch surf and live in their cars. And so that 3,000 is, you know, I report myself that they're, you know, 55,000, and that's based on the number the VA reported before but later removed. You know, and I tell people you have to report the true magnitude of the problem because then then you can start to get the, you know, the financial resources to truly address it. But until then, you can't report less is more because it makes you look good because it hurts the target population that you are trying to help being our veterans and their family members. All right. And, you know, Jazz, the very last portion of this that talks about the total number of veterans at 22 million uh, across the country, and uh, that number may be, the number is constantly going down. But how important information is to our veteran community. Uh, I, I, I maintain that information is the greatest void in our community uh, because if you don't know how to navigate the system, you won't be able to do it. You don't know what you don't know. But most importantly, when you juxtapose to that 22 million, that to uh, folks realizing to get health care, you've got to be enrolled in the system. So out of 22 million, we've got something like 8.2 million who are enrolled in the VA system. Vast gap there between the actual enrollees versus the total number that we have. Right. So you also have to look at, you know, what does enrolled mean? You know, because there are a lot of us who have signed up for VA. We're in the VA system. But for me, it says I am a, I am a disabled veteran. But I just can't feel bad one day and then go to the VA that same day and get support or, or get services or treatment. And so, again, I, you have to look at, you know, what does that really mean? You know, there's still a huge backlog. And, again, I'm not beating up on the VA, but it, they have to do better or find other mechanisms to get us served in a timely manner. So just because you're enrolled doesn't mean that that's eight, you know, eight, eight or so million veterans that are, you know, healthy and getting the supportive services they need in, in, a, in a timely manner. But again, I, I understand that they have to report certain numbers, but we also have to look, you know, more down into the definition of what the actual quote unquote reporting and enrollment, you know, really means for those people. But, you know, uh, if, if you don't know, that you have to be enrolled and you do get right. to a, a CBOC or, or a VA medical center and you get turned down because you didn't go to the website or didn't know that uh, you could do it right there at those locations, that becomes a major turnoff. You, you, are, you are absolutely correct. And I, and I tell people because they, you know, people are really keen on saying, you know, we have, you know, a hard time transitioning to civilian life. And I'm like, we're not wild animals. Well, I'm married to a Marine. They kind of are, but that's a different you know, subject. <laughs> you said that. We but, didn't say it. <laughs> but, but I tell people it's not that we can adapt to civilian life. It's just when you're in the military, you have a family. There is a person that you can talk to for every part of your military career, you know, that can help you along that journey. But once you become a veteran, you become an individual. And that is the hardest part of the transition. It's like I, I, I had these resources, I had these services, I had my family, and now you're reduced to a bunch of phone numbers, business cards, websites, and links. And it can become quite overwhelming for someone who's dealing with depression or, you know, PTSD that now they don't have that battle buddy 
you know, to help them through this this journey that they've become on that, that they are one hundred percent unfamiliar with. So you are exactly right. Bill's always Gary. Exactly, he's always right. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, Gary, you're getting me in trouble now. <laughs> But it's, uh, that, that's, you're right on that, is um, uh, unless you know how to handle it, it's, it's I guess, practice. <laughs> it's like uh, joining, what was it, the uh, e-benefits, for instance, and then you get it all set up, set yourself up, and then you can, it doesn't, uh, nothing happens with it until you automatically go, go and see somebody and sit down at the CBOC or the, or the VA um, and find out more on how to, I guess he approves it or she approves it. It's just it's just knowledge. It's just uh, not messing up, following following the guidelines. You have to make sure you do that. Yeah, but I guess again, if you don't know what those guidelines are, you know, right. it, it kind of can make the situation you know like extremely tough. You know, luckily for me, I'm a I'm a human resources officer. And so I was able to navigate the, the system a little better because I was a little bit, you know, familiar with, with the process. But you have a lot of, like my son, for instance, he's in the Air Force. Um, he went into the Air Force right out of high school, you know, so he had to be taught, you know, everything. And you have a lot of, you know, service members doing Iraq and Afghanistan campaign that, you know, went to the military out of high school, went to war, you know, experienced some things and then got out like after their first, you know, their, their first enlistment. And so these are still young, you know, E4s, you know, in privates that don't know, they, they barely learn how to navigate a military system and now they're out on their own, you know, trying to navigate, you know, this back into civilian life. So, you know, even the, you have some, you know, higher level, you know, like senior NCOs and officers that sometimes struggle, you know, with navigating the system. But imagine all those young kids that are, that are getting out when the military was all they knew and, and, you know, they were told what to do and how to do it every day, and now they're out there trying to navigate the system along with minimal information and sometimes too much information. That's correct. That's correct. Now, you have some events coming up, don't you? Especially October yeah, so, 6th. Yeah, so October 8th, we have the, the Miss Veteran America competition um, come up, and you're not allowed to call it a pageant because it's not anybody that does. They owe me 20 push-ups. Um, but it, but it's an event that an event that honors the woman beyond a uniform, and, and I, and it's a, a fundraiser for Final Salute Inc., which again supports the programs that we talked about earlier um, for for women veterans and and their children. But it's an event where we just enjoy, you know, um, being being women for a night. You know, I, I, some people look at femininity as a bad thing in the military. And, like, it's not a bad thing. But I understand that, you know, once they put that uniform on, you know, you are a soldier X, Y, and Z. But I also think people forget that in addition to us wearing a uniform, we also are, you know, somebody's mother, somebody's wife, somebody's daughter, and somebody's sister. And so we also have to pay attention to the traditional gender roles that we have as, as women. And, and so we celebrate, you know, that for a night um, and also tell the stories about those women. You know, this year we, we have Nicole um, Fifi Malakowski that is joining us as a special guest. She was the first, you know, female Thunderbird pilot. We have, you know, Command Sergeant Major Retired Michelle Jones, who was the first African-American woman, you know, to reach the rank of, uh, you know, Sergeant Major of the, of, of the Reserve. So we have a lot of famous firsts because, I think people forget about our military history as a part of the, the larger military the history and also our service and sacrifice. We have um, uh, Marissa Strzok, who is a double amputee from, from Iraq. You know, she was blown up, you know, lost both her legs to, to an to a IED. And I don't think people know that there are women who are amputees and purple heart recipients. So it's a very, you know, culminating event about service and sacrifice and, and also womanhood that, that, that we have as, as service members. But it's a great event. We have a live push-up competition, which the crowd always loves, uh, uh, amongst other things. But, it, it, again, it's another way for us to, you know, celebrate our, our sisterhood as part of our military service. And that's October 8th um, at the Liaison Capitol Hill, D.C. Our keynote speaker, which is really cool this year that we have, is Catherine Bach. Of some who may know her as the original Daisy Duke from the Dukes of Hazard, so she will be there this year. All right, all right, and Bill. 
that's uh, that, that that that's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, now, Jazz, uh, uh, you know, without uh, uh, providing names, I'm sure with all of the experience that you've had in the intake of uh, women veterans and their conditions and situations, there has to be some extremely good success stories that you can uh, uh, explain to our listening audience. Yeah, and, you know, the women who come through our program, they're not you know, shy about telling their stories and who they are because, and, and I tell them, you know, and they feel like it helps them, you know, to tell their story. So other women who are going through it don't feel like they're alone or they're in isolation. And so I can talk about Chiquita really quick. Um, we have a really unique story. Um, she was getting ready to get uh, deployed on her second deployment to a combat zone. And this time around, she was a mother. Uh, the father was also deploying me. And so, you know, they didn't have anybody to keep their, their child. And so her daughter, uh, Nayeli, stayed with me and my family for a year. We had a, um, we have a, he was, I guess my youngest was four at the time, and she was three. And they were sister and brother for a year. And I tell people, you know, that's, that's, that's the type of things that we do, you know, as a military family. But, you know, she ended up homeless due to some, you know, issues with PTSD and such from her first appointment and um, had to separate from her father's, I'm sorry, from her daughter's uh, father in order to get benefits because, you know, as, as welfare, you know, if you're in a household, you know, it's something really tricky about having men around, which it's weird to me because you want families, you know, to be together. Um, but he was hurt, so he couldn't work, so he stayed with his family, and she, you know, came to final salute. But, you know, we felt fast forward a few years later, you know, she just bought a single-family home. You know, her and her daughter, they stayed in our program for two years. You know, once she returned, she's now a homeowner. Her and her, you know, husband are there. They're now, you know, married and doing great. And so I tell people, you know, our program works. You know, also I talk about the isolation that you experience as a veteran. But when they come to final salute, they're back in a unit-type environment, just a smaller unit. Now these women are part of the final salute family in unit where they, you know, help each other out, share resources with each other, and they're just there, you know, as battle buddies. And we, we have, you know, great success, you know, through our, our shared living environment and pulling these women, you know, back together in the environment there in a, you know, system that they're familiar with. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Major Jazz Booth, founder and president of Final Salute, Inc. Now, Jazz, uh, would you be interested as, as far as um, uh, finding more resources? I mean, this, how does somebody approach, say that they listen to the program and they possibly have a resource that would help the organization? Uh, what could they do? What's the first steps? Yeah, for anyone who wants to support the organization, they can, um, you know, email me at leadership at finalsaluteinc.org. Um, also on our site, there's a link that says contact, and you, there's some, you know, emails to contact various parts of, um, various people on our staff to help. But, you know, yes, clothing is always helpful for our annual stand-up event. You know, um, 90% of the food in the home is through doing the non-perishable, so sometimes, you know, having food drives are helpful. And always, if you have connections with the other other foundations or grants that may help, you know, you can contact about contact us about those as well. All right, and you know, the most important part of any organization are their volunteers. Um, yeah. Are you always looking for volunteers? Yes, we do need uh, volunteers periodically for the events that we have, and also sometimes um, organizations, whether it be churches, school, other civic events, they volunteer to do beautification projects you know, at the transitional house that we have, or again, you know, collect on calling a, a food drive. So volunteers, we have over 300 um, that we maintain through a meetup group. So it's always great to have that volunteer support to help keep, you know, overhead down. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Bill? Well, Jazz, you know, there's a part of your life experience that uh, i just like to highlight, and maybe you'd want to comment some more and it's it's uh, the experience that you went through during hurricane katrina and as you know we've had two very devastating hurricanes uh irma and uh uh forget the one there in uh in uh in texas harvey harvey that's correct it's had uh uh, devastating effect, and, and, and we've got more in the system right now. It, it just seems that this year that they're constantly uh, rolling off the west coast of Africa and, and heading in, the, in this direction. But one of the things, in the, and especially out in the Caribbean, uh, uh, as they've been traveling this way in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, and I think it's important for our listening audience to know that we have a lot of veterans in those areas mm-hmm. who can very well and probably have been uh, impacted by these natural disaster hurricanes. Uh, could you comment on that in comparing your situation in C- Katrina? Well, yeah, I, I think that for, for some people think that there is, you know, just so much information, I'm sorry, so many programs that can help veterans um, that they don't think that. And I also, you know, let me preface this, they think that we're exempt from certain things. Like I tell people, I'm a cancer survivor, but cancer doesn't discriminate against me because of the, the, the uniform that I wear. So I think that people forget that when you're looking at these disasters, that they forget that ver- veterans are also Americans. And so we're going to be faced with going through these disasters as well as the other disasters that help in being, you know, being in a downward economy or being laid off from your job that we're not exempt. So when you're helping organizations that are helping these disaster areas, I guess you also have to take into consideration that there are going to be some veterans that are, that are going to be affected. And, you know, those programs are important, you know, for them as well. That's true. Very, very true. Now, we don't have a lot of time left, uh, Jazz, and um, what would you like to uh, mention to our audience in closing about the organization? I, I just want to tell them that, you know, people always, you know, say what I want to do, you know, 20 or 30 years down the road, do I want to have a house in every major city? And I tell them, no, I would like for Final Salute to not have to exist you know, 20 or 30 years down the road because there are so many veterans that need help and programs that have to keep popping up like this are letting us know that as a country, we're still not getting it right. You know, I didn't want to create a program that specifically focused on women veterans, but they were forgotten about. And so while we're creating programs that help veterans, we need to make sure that they're designed to help them, you know, equally because it's going to take a united front and a a coalition to help our veterans, you know, 
for years and years, um, you know, to come. So just again, while you're helping veterans, ensure that a woman could also walk up and get support as well. That's right. Wow. And Bill? Well, Jazz, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us here at the American Heroes Network. Thank you for your service to the country. Thank you for your continued service to veterans because I believe it's that one-on-one of veterans helping veterans will get us to where we need to be in terms of turning our conditions and situations around. So uh, there's a lot of work out there to do uh, to help veterans. You know this equal to, if not better than I. And uh, thanks to you for being around and and providing and doing the things that you do. And I hope that uh, you can continue to expand by way of networking with other organizations out there that can be very helpful in the veterans community. And thank you. It's an honor to continue to serve. All right. Once again, we want to thank you for joining us today. And what we'll be doing, we'll be sending you uh, the direct link to the show. Now, again, thanks. Uh, I want to thank all our listeners and supporters. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Bill, and our guest, Jazz Booth. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Be safe out there. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America.